3: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my
4: co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Yeah, happy to be here as always, Kyle. a uh, couple of quick announcements that I just wanted to get out of the way. You and I are gonna be up late next Thursday getting the breakdown of the first round of the draft. So yeah. for everybody listening, please check that out. Um it it'll be posted either really late Thursday or really early Friday. We'll we'll see how that that goes. Um I'm also gonna be part of the YouTube live broadcast on Friday night with a bunch of other Packaday hosts to walk you through the second and third rounds of the draft. Um, And finally, I know we always give this shout out at the end of the episode, but please give Kyle a Twitter follow at uh, Packer underscore Pundit and myself at Andrew Murtig to get our thoughts on the draft and everything leading up to that. Um, But it is Friday. It's that's that's a great thing, right? Uh, We're less than a week from the draft. That's even better. And we have a fantastic guest. That's the best. Plus, I got to spend most of my workday at Historic Lambeau Field today. That's that's the bestest. Bestest. The, the bestest, yeah. I yeah. think we're all a little bit jealous that
3: your office was Lambeau Field today. That's, a, that's not something that many of us can say, but uh, we are a week away from the draft, and it is finally getting close enough that we can get excited. I mean, we've been excited for a long time, but we're getting within range here, and so tonight... We are going all in on off-ball linebacker prospects in this coming draft. And to help us with our conversation, we are super excited to be joined by Dan Dahlke. Dan is a contributor for Cheesehead TV and has previously done some work on Lombardi But most recently, Dan was a contributor to Cheesehead TV and their draft guide, which is absolutely awesome. It's a great resource and a great way to get ready for the draft. So if you haven't gotten your copy of that yet, make sure you do that this week. But Dan was responsible for the Cheesehead TV draft guide's work on inside linebackers and running backs this year. So we thought who better to have come on the Packaday podcast to help us get into some of these prospects that someone who has spent hours upon hours looking at these off ball
5: backers. So, Dan, welcome to the Packaday podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about linebackers. It's my favorite position. So, can't wait to dive into it.
4: Awesome. Well, we're we're going to start at the top of the draft and certainly the Devons kind of dominate the conversation at linebacker in this draft class. And that is definitely for good reason. But um, I wanted to get started with Devin White. The LSU product is rumored to be in the conversation for maybe even a top five selection next Thursday. So after you took a closer look at Devin White, do you feel he's worthy of a top five selection? And what what is it about his game that's making him such a highly touted prospect?
5: Well, well, I first say I, I love Devin White's game. I mean, I think he's, in my opinion, clearly the top linebacker in the draft. Um, but does he deserve a top five selection? I would say no. Even though I love linebackers, I always want to go to bat for them. Um, by far my favorite position. I don't think it's a position anymore in, in this day and age uh, is worthy of a top five pick. I think you got to go with edge or quarterback or offensive tackle or corner. Um you have to think, even if the guy's an outstanding linebacker, he's everything you want, how much of an impact is he going to make on the field to earn or deserve a top five selection? So even though I think highly of Devin White, I think he's an amazing player. I think he's a special player. I would take him more in the teens. I have a mid-round, first-round first, grade, first round grade on him. Um, I'd take him somewhere, as maybe early. I don't think any earlier than eight. Um, so somewhere eight to 15. Obviously, if he's there for 12, at 12 for Green Bay, I'd love it. But I have a hard time anybody picking him in the top five, um, but he is a great player. I mean, he's explosive. He's got great athleticism off the charts in a lot of those areas. Now, people are giving him a hard time about his tackling. Uh, I've already seen a lot about that, and I think we could talk about that as well, but I think that's uh, way overhyped. I think he's actually a pretty decent tackler, but <laughs> maybe we can dig into that more if we want to.
4: So so if if you see, you know, if you were a scout in, in Tampa Bay and and they were going to draft Devin White at five, you'd slap the card out of the guy's hand that's running it up to the stage. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think
5: you take like a, even a number two, three edge guy, I think was still gonna make a more of an impact on your defense. And I know a lot of people disagree with that, but yeah, I mean, the drop off between a top linebacker and the next one isn't as big as like your top edge guys and your mid-tier edge guys.
4: Great.
3: Yeah, positional value is a, such a super interesting conversation because obviously we're talking about uh, Devin White and Devin Bush, and we're talking about some tight ends too. And what is the value of taking a player of a position like that versus your more traditional you know, uh, blindside protectors and your quarterbacks and your edge rushers. So definitely an interesting conversation trying to evaluate where do you value the linebacker position and the Packers haven't always valued the linebacker position uh, traditionally early in the draft. So uh, definitely interesting to see how they will value it this year. Uh, but how much of a gap would you say that there is in your opinion between Devin White and someone like Michigan's Devin Bush? Would you say that there's similar prospects or does Bush from Michigan just win in very different ways?
5: I actually think there's very little gap, and I'd be happy with either one in Green Bay. Um, they do, they are different players, though. I mean, they they're both very athletic. They both have the recovery speed you want. They're both smart players, but uh, some of the differences—they're built a little differently. I think White's got a little more uh, weight to him a little more length. I think he's a little bit better at sifting through traffic which it's another weird knock I've heard on White's game. It's almost like I'm watching a different player than some people, but they say he can't get off blocks. And I see a violent player that arrives in great fashion, uh, maybe a little out of control at times, but that's something you can hone in. Uh, where Bush, I feel like he's a little more heady. He's, he's smoother in space. I would say White's a little more explosive. Um, I would give Bush the edge in coverage, which is a, a big thing. I think it's more what you want in the position, I think, is – you want a guy to be disruptive and make a ton of big splash plays, I think you got to go with White. Now, Bush still makes a lot of big plays, but um, I think he's more of just a, your solid, reliable linebacker that can be on the field all three downs, and he is an elite coverage player. I mean, he really is a man or zone, where I'd say White is more of a zone coverage guy. Like, let him use his instincts and keep the you know play in front of him. But I love Bush's ability to flip his hips, run down the seam with athletic tight ends, He can pick up slot receivers. He's just extremely smart, extremely smooth athlete. So both very good at what they do. I would say Bush is more of a smooth player and uh, White is more kind of hair
4: on fire. Let's create some chaos. Great. So, Earlier in the draft process, uh, Alabama's Mac Wilson was often mentioned in the same conversation with Bush and white, but certainly that's taken a hit recently. um, And as we've gotten further along, what did you see out of Wilson and um, where would you put him in this draft?
5: Yeah, I'd say Wilson has been a tough projection. I mean, when the college year started, he was my second linebacker behind white and I had Bush as number three. And, uh, Wilson really faded for me as the college season progressed. Um, you go through the Alabama games and typically that system set up for their middle linebacker to really shine. You look at Reuben Foster, even guy like a Reggie Ragland a few years ago, like that system is set up for those guys to make plays and swarm to the ball. They usually play behind outstanding defense alignment. And we see that again uh, with Wilson, he's playing behind Quentin Williams and Bugs and you know Raquan Davis and he should be making a ton of plays. But what I saw is a guy who, as the season progressed, his game faded. And there'd be long stretches of contests where you couldn't even tell if he's on the field or not. Um, he, he finished fifth in tackles on their defense and ninth in tackles for loss. He only had five tackles for loss. So a guy that athletic, that strong, uh, playing on that kind of defense, he should have made more impact plays. So I think that really dropped his game. I still give him a solid day two, um, you know, round two grade. He's still my third linebacker, but I, I see him more just as a solid starter, not really an impact player at the next level. So he's still a, a good player that I like. He's going to be decent. He can maybe start as a rookie, but I'm not I'm not as high on him as I was at the beginning of the college season. I think last year, last year's championship game, he blew it up. used you know, against uh, Georgia in 2018. That was really his coming out party, but he never really lived up to that and didn't continue them that, mom, that momentum in the 2018 season.
3: Great. Yeah, entering this season, I I really wanted to like. Uh, Mac Wilson a lot more than I could. I really wanted to be the contrarian who had him ahead of Devin White, and then I went to the film and I just I just couldn't do it. So I was disappointed I couldn't be that contrarian uh, perspective on that. But that's kind of how it played out, and uh, looks like he will probably go in that second round range now. So uh, we'll see if maybe he can have a better collegiate or a better uh, pro career to the than the rather the end of his collegiate career there at Alabama. But this linebacker position is it's kind of talked about as a weak point in this draft, that this just is not that great of a position group. Is that kind of your perception after watching all these guys, or is there a little bit more depth to this class than a lot of people
5: think? It always, de- For me, it always depends on that question what you want. I mean, if you're looking for impact guys, I think it's a really thin group. So we have the two Devons and maybe maybe Mac Wilson eventually, but not not immediately impact impacting the defense. Um, I think – Compared to last year, that was a great group. Last year, I had four first-round guys, a few second-round guys graded. This year, I just have two first-round guys, one second-round guy, and a bunch of third- and fourth-round guys. So if you are looking for a, maybe a guy to c- compete as a starter, play some a rotational role, um, third, fourth, fifth round, there's a ton of guys. That's really deep in that range. And maybe that's where a team like Green Bay could afford to to bring in somebody at this position. Obviously, we know is not one of their top needs um but you know if they miss on the devons there could be someone in the fourth round that they like that could play a role with burks or martinez but i think i think there's a lot of depth in that mid mid round range for sure
4: so speaking of the mid round range if if there is somebody that you know might fall in late day two early day three um is there one of them that you would kind of bang the table as somebody who could become a quality starter for a long time
5: uh, there's a few guys I like a lot, but all of them have big question marks. So I, I know we're going to talk about Drew Tranquil later. I love him so much. I mean, I love his game so much. He's my – like, I'll just film grade, he'd be my fourth linebacker. But he's got some major injury concerns. So if I was, I'd was, i be a little hesitant to pound the table for him just because of, he's torn his ACL twice. And so <laughs> uh, I don't know. And he's a 24-year-old uh, rookie. Uh, so if I had a – Go with a safe bet on day two, I'd go with uh, NC State's Jermaine Pratt. So he's, I have a third round grade on him, very solid player. I'd say the other guys in this range might be, maybe have more athleticism or speed, um, but there's a lot more question marks with the other players in this range. Jermaine Pratt is a guy you can get in the third round, really good size, 6'2, 240, ran uh, a sub 4, 6'40, just decent athletically, solid speed, solid all around. Really reliable, clean health, um, injury history, and he just plays physical. And he's a smart player. He's an active player. He used to be a safety, and then he converted to linebacker junior season, and then really stood out as a junior and senior at NC State. My one concern with Pratt was he was a little quiet at the senior bowl, and I, was, I thought he'd be a guy that really shine there. So I'm not really sure what the backstory there was. Um, I just didn't hear his name a lot. Didn't really see him jump out much at the senior bowl. Hoping that's a fluke because his film is awesome. He's very active and he can hold his own in coverage. So I think he's a three down guy that could really develop as a solid starter in the NFL. So we know the Packers have athletic thresholds at
3: just about every position, Dan, but off ball linebacker is one of the hardest positions to peg the Packers on. Packaday's own Tyler Grizagoric pointed out on Twitter that the Packers criteria for linebacker is relatively simple, but it also has kind of yielded some relative success. So um, he noted, uh, Tyler did, that the Packers traditionally have valued linebackers who weigh about three or 200 and 300 would be a pretty big linebacker, I guess <laughs> um, 238 pounds. Uh, they run the short shuttle in less than 4.26 seconds and run the three-cone in less than 7.18 seconds. And so there are very, very few players who actually meet these thresholds in this class. But two other players that come to mind who meet these thresholds are Notre Dame's Drew Tranquil and Stanford's Bobby Okariki. Since these are two names that might intrigue the Packers, why don't you just tell us a little bit about these guys and maybe some pros on the Uh, pros and cons to their game and what they bring to the field
5: i'd love to talk about tranquil because he's one of my favorite players for sure um and he like you said he is really close to meeting all those thresholds he's just a little lighter a few pounds lighter than uh the 238 i think he plays around 234 but great 20 yard shuttle time great three cone time uh 31 bench reps uh, which is amazing strength for his size 4.57 speed When you watch him play, he is so smooth in space, so smooth moving laterally. He's very smart. There's very few wasted steps. When you evaluate linebackers, one of the first things you look at is what's their first step? Where are they moving to? Are they moving to the ball? Are they moving away? That was one knock on Devin White is sometimes he takes false steps, but he's got the ridiculous athleticism to recover. Where a guy like Drew Tranquil, he's got great athleticism, but he also is super smart, and he's almost always staying Ahead of the offense, and that's a great thing to see on film. So he's a guy I, I definitely uh, keeping an eye on. He could fall to even like the fourth round because of his ACL uh, history. He's had two torn ACLs. He's had a red shirt, so injury history is a major concern with him. But in the fourth round, you could take a chance on that because you could have a potential uh, starting player there. Uh, I, on mockdraftable.com, he compares his athletic testing compares to Luke Kuechly and Nick Barnett, so wow oh. that's, that's pretty good you know if you want to get an idea of what kind of athlete he is some speed and movement and uh coverage ability he's also a former safety so i like those guys who converted from safety can play linebacker um bobby okurike a lot of people like him like he's i just heard mel kiper hyping him <laughs> the other day on a podcast <laughs> is he going first uh, round you, uh, yeah probably <laughs> um i have a lot of really big concerns with okurike so i got I heard a lot about him. I was excited to watch his film. He's got some length. He's got some good speed. But, man, did he look stiff in space when I watched his film. And he really could not get off blocks. And we know from last year's training camp, the story of coaches yelling at Oren Burks, get off blocks, get off blocks. And that's why Burks probably didn't play very much. I think Okarike is a lot like Oren Burks, like very similar athlete. Although I think Burks moves a little better in space. And so – Okurike, my concern with him is his speed tends to be straight line. So moving laterally, shifting, changing direction, flipping his hips, I, he looks very stiff, and that, that would be a, a big worry for me taking him any any earlier than day three. Um, but some people are saying he's a you know round two, round three guy. I just I just don't see that. And really, you see him get pushed around a lot. So he is active, he is aggressive, he has a high motor, but his game is pretty sloppy. I think it would take him a couple of years to kind of figure it out before he can play a big role on team.
3: Okay. Uh, Jumping back to a player that you do like a lot, uh, you know, Drew Tranquil is going to be that guy. And so excited to jump into his tape a little bit more myself. Uh, But someone else I know that you really like is West Virginia's David Long. And I confess to you on Twitter this (laughs) week, Dan, that uh, David Long is someone I just kind of skipped altogether uh, because his, his weight is about 225, 227, something like that. Uh, But you seem to think that I made a big mistake in writing off David Long for his size. So tell me what makes him a good player to you.
5: David Long is like Mighty Mouse. I mean, he's 5'11", probably played 225, maybe even 220. But that guy is strong. He packs a punch. He can take on blocks. He uses leverage really, really well. Great pad level. And he is explosive. Like, he's got great lower body explosion. Um, He rushes off the edge surprisingly well, considering he doesn't have length and he's a small guy. I mean, he could be that nickel linebacker. Maybe he's too small to really bang it inside and hold his own. I don't know, like an early down, but looks like a great nickel linebacker at the next level. Um, kind of that hybrid player. Uh, also looked good in coverage like those other guys I talked about, but he plays lights out. He, he kicks it up a notch. He brings a lot of intensity. He's extremely physical, and he wants to punish people when he hits them, and it's kind of nice to see. And he – he records a lot of explosive plays, which is kind of rare in this linebacker class. Like he makes a living near the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and he has 4.45 speed, which is nice. Um, he didn't run at the combine, but that's what he ran his pro day. So it was, it was nice to see that because that's what it looks like on film. And sometimes, you know, when they work out, it doesn't hold up. But um, yeah, he had 35 tackles for loss the last two years and 10 sacks, 10 pass breakups. So this guy's just hyperactive. He's all over the place making making plays. And that's a guy I want on my team. Whatever round you can get him in, I mean, he'd probably fall a bit because of his size, but I want that guy on my team because he's gonna he's gonna make plays. He's gonna be really active.
4: So it sounds like David Long's somebody that that I need to take a closer look at mm-hmm. and and somebody you're really high in. The the late round guys that I really liked were um, Khalil Hodge from Buffalo, who might be a little bit earlier than that. Uh Sion Taki Taki. That's such a good name uh, from Utah <laughs> State, and then Gary Johnson from Texas. Any of those players jump out at all to you during your breakdown?
5: Yeah, I liked Gary Johnson a lot. Um, I think initially I had like a third round grade on him, and then I bumped him down a little bit to fourth round grade because there were some off field uh, character issues, and then he was a little stiff in his lateral movement, which that's a big thing in my grading scales. If they're slow in their shuttle time, or they, or it just looks laterally like they're struggling, or they have stiff hips, that that I'd really knock them on that. But this guy's ran really fast at the combine. I mean, four four three speed—that's hard to ignore. That's gonna get people's attention. And he made a ton of plays too. So if they're making plays, they have speed. They look good in space. That's gonna matter. Um, he's gonna have a similar battle as that some of those other guys you talked about, like David Long, where he's smaller. He's like six foot two twenty five. Uh, maybe he played up to 230 at Texas. But he does struggle getting off blocks. Um, but as a space player, I like him and he's got the speed to maybe do something with just looks like his game's still a little raw though too. And I know he was a Juco transfer, so maybe there's some maybe his best football is still ahead of him, I guess. But he's a guy I'd take a chance on mid rounds for sure. Cause I think his upside's really high. Um I liked Khalil Hodge out of Buffalo a lot. I mean, highly productive was like always one of the leading tacklers in the nation. Um, but the fact he didn't get a combine invite really worried me. And then he ran a 503.40 at his pro day. And I was Oops. like, oh, shoot. Yeah, so there was a mid-round guy, uh, Andrew, that I was kind of keeping my eye on too. And I think now he might go undrafted, unfortunately. Uh, I just
4: wanted to say, though, there is a 100% success rate in the NFL for guys named Khalil who play linebacker from <laughs> Buffalo. I think that's a great point. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe that will
5: uh, help his cause a lot. <laughs> um, uh, Taki Taki from Utah State, I, I'll be honest, this is the one guy I don't know a ton about. Um, I was kind of late in the process with him. I watched a few of his games, but not like enough to really feel super comfortable advocating for him. Looks like he, from what I saw, he's very active and tested really well at the combine. Um from what I've seen, though, uh, one concern maybe is uh, lateral movement again, like some of these other guys. So that will that will keep him maybe in the mid-round range. But it looks like he's got some promise as far as size and athleticism. But I can't say a whole much a whole, a whole bunch more on him because I, I haven't watched like. I've only watched about two games on him, so I, I feel a little like I'm faking it with him if I if I keep going on about that. But.
4: Well, I appreciate you humoring my terrible evaluations with some, some <laughs> uh, <That's> thoughtful <laughs> insight from Yeah. Andrew's uh, scouting the
3: jerseys of the Takitakis and the Khalil. He just wants to get the names on there. It's yeah. good. That's nice. <laughs> um, I want to throw one extra question at you here. Yeah, sure. This is just a little bit off the cuff here, but... I know, like, what we see as a talent evaluator and what we see as a fan are sometimes two different things. And you have your wish lists that are a little bit different. And so uh, we're about a week away from the draft. If you had to add one of these players, you know, maybe they're a top, you know, round player, or maybe they're a later guy, um, we asked you who you'd pound the table for. But if you could add one of these guys to the Green Bay Packers roster in 2019, who would you pick if you could have any of these guys?
5: Um, I mean, maybe this is an easy answer because they're so good, but uh, Devin Bush for sure. I mean, I just think his ability in coverage is something we don't have on our roster. Um, I love Martinez. I'm not going to uh, knock on Martinez. Like seems like Twitter, <laughs> they tend to be really hard on Martinez. He's a great defender. Um, but I, we need a guy who can hold up well in coverage, play well in space, and I think that would complement Martinez very well. We're hoping maybe Warren Burks can do something like that, but he's so, I think he's so far away from proving that. So I think Devin Bush is a guy that walks in instantly. You don't have to worry about him on third downs. He can cover the slot, cover tight ends, pick up running backs. I think our coverage ability at linebacker position is one of the biggest glaring needs. Absolutely.
3: I think having someone like Bush to match up with someone like uh, Dalvin Cook, who's coming back and a treat Cohen could be a really nice chess piece to have on that defense. But uh, yeah, we'll see on uh, on next Thursday night if that happens and uh, Devin Bush is, uh, is a Green Bay Packer or not. But uh, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today and talk linebackers. Before we let you go, why don't you just go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find you on Twitter and where they might find some of your other work.
5: Yeah, um, my Twitter is just my name, Dan Dalkey '86. Um, I'm not super active on Twitter. Like, I feel like I should be up in my Twitter game for sure. Uh, <laughs> especially this last year, it's been a little, little low. But I got, I got to work on that. But I do have some pieces coming out on Cheesehead TV. Uh, you can look out for before the draft. I'm gonna write a piece on the day two linebackers that I think would be a good target. So a few of the guys we've already talked about. I'm gonna add in a few other names. And then post draft, I'm gonna be doing a bunch of pieces on Cheesehead TV about. Uh, some of their second, third round picks and recapping kind of that mid mid round group.
3: Awesome. So we'll definitely make sure we uh, follow you uh, pre and post draft there with all that great content. Make sure you find Dan on Twitter. And again, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us, Dan, and,
4: and join the Packaday podcast. We really enjoyed it.
5: Yeah. Thanks guys.
4: So we're certainly really appreciative of Dan joining us, but Kyle, we aren't going to be on the podcast again until next Friday. And that means we will know the first round pick or picks on our show next week. So my question for the two of us is this, what do you think will happen at 12 and 30? And what do you hope will happen at 12 and 30? So, I am smiling so big right now just thinking
3: about the fact that we will know next week what actually happened in the draft you're talking about it uh, for so long. But my draft crush since about January has been Brian Burns, and I think a big part of that is missing out on Harold Landry last year, so I'll admit that that's kind of a a carryover. But uh, if Burns was the pick, I would be absolutely ecstatic about that. But I doubt the Packers will value Burns as much as I do. They have very little history with valuing light speed rushers, both Sedarius Smith and Presta Smith are big guys, and I'm just not sold that Burns is their type. Uh, I guess my prediction is that the Packers will draft Jonah Williams with the 12th pick. Uh, Williams falls a little bit outside of the Packers' traditional athletic thresholds, mostly in his agility scores. His three-cone three wasn't really up to snuff, but his other testing, his short shuttle and his 10-yard split, is actually eerily similar to to Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiaris testing. So maybe the Packers are willing to overlook the three cone time here. Uh, who really knows? But the Packers did bring in Jonah Williams for a top 30 visit. And I know that bringing in a player for a visit doesn't mean that you're looking to draft that player, this is a vetting process. But Green Bay knew that Williams fell a little short of their athletic thresholds before they brought him in. It's not like he was going to get more athletic by getting on a plane and flying to Green Bay. Uh, And another interesting thing is that Jonah Williams has absolutely zero character concerns or work ethic questions. So it is interesting to me that Green Bay would use a top 30 visit on a player of his caliber with really no character questions to speak of. I think the Packers might just really like Jonah Williams, and Williams is widely known as one of the best interviewers in this class. He's a really, really impressive guy when he's talking, and so it's easy for me to see Brian Gutekinds falling in love with a player like Williams who's a great player, but also a great locker room guy who's going to buy into Matt LaFleur and LaFleur's new emphasis on being a process-driven team. So I myself would love Brian Burns, but I'm going to predict that Green Bay will select Alabama offensive lineman Jonah Williams at 12, and I would be really happy if that was the pick Obviously, pick 30 is harder to project who's on the board, but I really do think that there's a chance that the Packers make A.J. Brown a Packer if he's available at 30, so that would be my prediction. Um, But who I really wish the Packers would draft at 30 is Jeffrey Simmons, uh, the defensive tackle. I just think he's a player who would be a top 5 or top 10 pick if he wasn't injured, and I think that having that extra 30th overall selection is something that is a luxury and maybe something that is worth taking a little bit of a risk there, so I kind of would like to see them go Jeffrey Simmons at 30. But Andrew, who's at the top of your wish list, and who do you think the Packers ultimately land next Thursday night?
4: Yeah, well, I'm a little shocked that you went with Simmons. That's that's a, a very interesting perspective. Um, I, like you, really like Brian Burns, but I no longer think he's going to be available at 12. In fact, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been releasing my Top 40 board. I just uh, released the last of that today. And I had Burns as my third overall player in the draft, and some team is going to fall in love with what he can do and draft him in the top ten. I also question if Ed Oliver is going to fall that far, so I believe the Packers will end up with an offensive tackle at twelve, kind of like what you said. Um, And I think they take an Iowa tight end at at thirty if one of them falls, or they could potentially go with one whatever safety they covet the most. So while your projections of Jonah Williams and AJ Brown would be a really boring result, in my opinion. I think it's highly realistic. My hope, on the other hand, is that if one of the stud defenders doesn't fall to 12, that they trade down. I'd love to see them move down to like 15 or 17 and then use whatever ammunition they get from that trade down to move back up from 30. You and I actually laid out a scenario off the podcast where the Packers could actually draft three players in the first round without having to give up all of their draft capital. So while that may be unlikely, I really do like the idea of having two picks in the top 25 and making sure they get the player that they covet with that second pick. So my hope is Burns or Oliver at 12, if not a trade down. And I would be incredibly excited if Noah Fant falls to pick 30. Absolutely. That would
3: be quite a haul, and I think we're just both really excited to see where the Packers go with these draft picks and to just dig into these players a little bit and get to know who will be coming to Green Bay. But we are less than a week away, so we're about to find out how wrong Andrew and I really are about (laughs) these predictions. Uh, But be sure to find us on Twitter and let us know what your predictions are for these two Packers picks in the first round, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week for
4: sure. So that is all the time we have for today. And this is the last episode that we will have before the Packers actually pick. Uh, This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark, who will be bringing you an in-depth look at the defensive line prospects in the 2019 NFL Draft. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're gonna be up late next Thursday night recording our thoughts on the Packers 2019 first round picks, just hours after those selections. So make sure you turn in next Friday for that. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember From the 16 of New York, first down go to
2: go in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap, Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone, yeah. and a dagger, they beat Morris Playbord, to the back line of the end zone, the Packers have won snap to Wild, oh, oh yes, and taken by Jackson, in the end zone, for a touchdown, and was blocked by Geronimo Allison, Josh Jackson, the rookie Recovers in the end zone and a ball lead to the north end zone stands. The Packers have a 6-0 lead. Pepper on third down to three, and three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, as he throws it, deep down the right sideline. Intercepted! Intercepted, Intercepted on the court. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the 9-yard line of 3-bay! Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, see makes the talent, nice and out of bounds! Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley, the snap. JK Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason yes. 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 me, delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13 yard line of Atlanta. Snap! Ryan looks right close. Intercepted to the house. Pshaw! Freeland touchdown! Green Bay Packers. Nineteen-yard interception return, and it's sixteen to seven Packers. and Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. They got, they got him. They, they got him. 5 Touchdown! back off That's Single back behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. On the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. Big hole! Straight ahead! It is Aaron Jones! up to the races! To the 20! To the 15! To the 10! Down the line, and he's out of Inside the ten of the five-yard line of Miami, Aaron Jones with a first 67 yards.